You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Car Feature. And this week's car feature has us talking to Kruben Reddy, who's the Vice President of Auto Information Solutions for TransUnion. They've recently released the TransUnion um, South African Vehicle Pricing Index report for the first quarter of 2021. And it seems that, that there's some bad news uh, for prospective car buyers with new vehicle prices rising or having risen by almost three times the current inflation rate in the first quarter of this year. And of course, that trend is expected to continue. But uh, at the same time, the prices of used vehicles increased in real terms for the first time since 2010. Uh, let's welcome Kriben Reddy to the line. Thank you so much to the show. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Kriben. Thank you, and hello to your listeners as well. Thank you. And of course, uh, Kriben Reddy is the Vice President of Auto Information Solutions for TransUnion. Help us explain the forces at play, um, or understand rather the forces at play, Kruben, when it comes to, you know, this trend that I've just highlighted. Of course, um, I think the blanket uh, answer could be COVID-19, but just break it down to us. What's happening at sort of granular, uh, granular level? Mm-hmm. So there's a number of factors that actually influence uh, both new and used vehicle. From a new vehicle perspective, you know, uh, almost 70% of the cars on our roads are actually imported. Um, so that means, you know, the currency or weak currency is at play, little supply and demand is at play, uh, lower demand volume will call higher pricing on these vehicles when, when manufacturers are bringing them in. Uh, right now, we've got an issue with the semiconductors or the, or the shortage of semiconductors, which, which is a necessary component uh, in, in manufacturing of vehicles. Uh, Hi, Kruben. All right. Can you hear me? Okay, if you, yeah, if you could move around a little bit, um, sometimes that works, uh, and just clear up the reception issue. <laughs> Otherwise, we might have to call you back. Yeah, is it better now? It, it is better. Uh, let's see if we can get your you to complete your answer. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So from a new vehicle perspective, I mean, there's a number of factors, uh, largely due to the bulk of vehicles in our country is important. The currency will play a big factor. Uh, supply and demand, there's, there's clearly lower demand off the back of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, across the globe right now, we've got an issue with semiconductors, which is a necessary component into into the manufacturing of new vehicles. And, and, and largely, you know, it's a cycle or trend we see now that actually played out during the global financial crisis as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so during these periods when, you know, obviously there's a number of macroeconomic factors at play, we see use, uh, new vehicle pricing rising to this extent. But counted on, on used vehicle pricing and the reason, uh, you know, really why uh, we've seen the increases and the price increases coming through is that consumer demand and buying power shifts firstly. So when uh, new vehicle pricing rises to the extent that it's now, consumers shift their buying uh, patterns and buying behavior to used vehicles because it's just a better value proposition. Sure. But, what, well, but if in effect what happens is, is that there's also a lack of stock in the country. So, you know, South Africa is a, a region where we don't import used vehicles as an, as an example. There's a number of different feeders or stock feeders for dealers. One would be uh, rental vehicles being defleeted. The second would be trade-ins from actual customers coming in. And all of that has dried up to, to COVID-19 as well. So the, the shortage of good quality used stock would make dealers pay higher prices to maintain margins mm-hmm. and thereby it would drive higher pricing, you know, in their retail uh, retailing of those vehicles as well. 
So, Kruben, that leads me to, um, you know, just ask you to sort of set the scene and give us some context, you know, for some some of the figures that will be breaking down shortly in order for all of this to be meaningful to us as uh, citizens and consumers. Just tell us, you know, the size of or remind us the size of our motoring sector, the size of our motoring industry and the kind of value that it adds to our economy, to our fiscus. Yeah, it's certainly very significant. I mean, there's seven, from an OEM or, or, or uh, assembly plant perspective, there's seven OEMs in the country, but South Africa probably in total represents around 56 different brands, and that's just on passenger vehicles. In terms of uh, GDP contribution, you know, the direct contribution is probably recorded at around 6.9 or around 7% of average of the GDP contribution, but that's the direct, and I mean, if you just think of the number of dealerships in the country, there's probably an average of around 3,500 uh, dealerships in the country. It's a significant contributor yeah. to employment. So if you think of the actual workers in the plants, but also uh, in a dealership, you'd have a number of different roles being played from everything from a, you know, a, a person appraising your vehicle to a salesperson to a dealer principal as running that. There's a, there's a number of different components that come together. Yeah, sure. It is it is quite a sizable chunk and an impressive one. So, of course, the, the vehicle pricing index it looks at the relationship between the increase in vehicle pricing for new and used vehicles. Uh, give us a sense of the array of passenger vehicles that you looked at um, and, 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 of course, the various data points that you pulled from. Mm. So I think the first context is that uh, as, as TransUnion Auto in Africa, we've probably been producing this report for the last, uh, going on 20 years, if not in excess of 20 years. So we've been tracking it for quite a while. And the way we do it, I'm not, I'm not going to call it any specific brand, but we take the top 15 uh, brands in the country by by uh, volume. So the brands that do you know the highest volume, so it gives us a good spread and a good proxy into uh, vehicle pricing. And within you know the, that top 15 volume, you have a, 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 a spread of different segments of vehicles. So you would have you know, your, your premium brand is uh, in there. You would have entry-level vehicles. So it's a basket. And, and the best way to probably uh, think about it is that it's, it's in a very similar vein as the way the CPI is calculated. And it's calculated of a basket of, of goods. We will be the similar thing where we select a basket of vehicles in the country. And then this is consistently being tracked. We obviously would change for periods where a certain model might be discontinued or a new addition would be, you know, come into the country. But we check it consistently then uh, on a year and year period. All right. Well, after the break, uh, Kruben, we're going to continue our conversation and take a look at uh, your TransUnion report there on uh, on vehicle the vehicle pricing index. And let's get a sense of the good news uh, and, and the bad news and just unpack some of those figures. We carry on our conversation with the Vice President of Auto Information Solutions for TransUnion. It's a 14.45. Con- 702. The car feature. It's 14.46 on uh, the Tuesday edition of the Azania Musaka show, and we continue our conversation with Kruben Reddy, who's a vice president of Auto Information Solutions for TransUnion. Um, they've released uh, the most recent report on uh, the vehicle pricing index for the first quarter of 2021. Now, Kruben, to follow out, to carry, to pick up our conversation, let's look at the VPI for new vehicles that uh, has moved from 8.8% in, uh, uh, has moved rather to 8.8% 
8.8% in the first quarter of this year. That's up from 4% of last year. And then on the used vehicle side of things, the vehicle pricing index rose to 3.7% from 1.4% a year ago. Um, is this good news or were we starting from a low base at any rate? Look, we're certainly starting from a low base. I think our general assessment of the recovery uh, of the industry at large is probably going to take around two to three years. So so any year-on-year measure from a volume perspective, from a sales perspective, actually, you know, in this next couple of months or quarters becomes a bit irrelevant because you, because the base, the base is so low. There's, there's, I guess, two sides to the story. If from a consumer perspective, mm-hmm. you know, although the, the new vehicle pricing is sitting uh, as high as it is, what you would find is that there's actually an influx of, of uh, what's called marketing incentives. So every dealer out there will also be trying, and, and brands and the OEMs, et cetera, yes. will be trying to stimulate sales. So you would be in a position, if you, if you are looking to get into the buying cycle and looking for a new vehicle in particular, um, you know, you would be in a position to negotiate better discounting. But what you'd find is even without any negotiation, there's probably a host of different discounts across a number of different brands out there. Yeah. On, the, on the other end, if you're looking to buy a used vehicle, and, and we see this shift has been happening for a while, consumers in South Africa, actually, uh, for probably the last 13 or 14 years, there was a significant shift in terms of um, uh, consumers financing new ve- uh, used vehicles versus new vehicles or more used vehicles. The ratio is probably sitting at about 2.4 right now. So for every 2.4 used vehicles financed, one new vehicle in the country gets yeah, gets financed, and really, it, it just it, consumers see it as a better value proposition. If you're looking for affordability, you could get into a vehicle that's a year or two years old, mm-hmm. um, but it would still have the warranty, or it would still have you know whatever service plan, etc. That, that it would originally have, uh, have come out with. And although you know, it, um, just by looking at the pricing, it would seem that there's a there's a uh, rise in price in, in used vehicles. But equally, if your vehicle has been kept in a good condition and is of reasonable mileage and, and many consumers haven't been traveling as much for the last year in any event, yeah. um, and if you were looking to trade in that vehicle and it's of good quality, it's, it's, a, it's a vehicle that's in high demand, etc., you would also then get a decent or a generous trading value of that vehicle because the dealer would be looking for, for stock. Uh, yeah, so, you would, so you could equally, you know... Um, benefit of that as well. Sure. Well, this is a great time to head to the phone lines. We've got Greg in uh, Bedford View uh, calling uh, with a, a question inquiry related to costs. So welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, what's your inquiry? Harvey, yeah, thanks for the call. Um, the, what I'm inquiring is the values of the trucks. Now, we're talking, I heard you speaking about stock and that's driving prices, but I'm an insurance broker and one of the complaints we get from clients is that we are underinsuring that trucks because the book value, and I'm talking pre-COVID, so this is a historical issue. I mean, I've been in the industry for 30 years, so this goes way back before the COVID uh, pandemic drove um, stock and all the rest of it. But my question is, why is the truck value so far out in relation to what they sell for? So the dealers are selling them for 300000 and the book value is showing 210 And if, if TransUnion are tracking the, what's going on in the marketplace, Surely that should line up with what is what is actually happening. Like I said, I don't want to, and and I understand the the theory of um, mileage and uses. I'm talking that that it meets the criteria of the TransUnion book. 
value mm. as such. So I'm not saying that the truck has got low mileage and this and that. I'm talking about a normal vehicle or sorry, say truck. I'm not talking about motor cars. Motor cars seem to track reasonably well in terms of the book. But when it comes to trucks, the, the book seems to be way, way lower than right. what the trucks are actually trading for in the marketplace. Thanks for your question, Greg. Uh, Kruben, can you um, can can you relate to Greg's question when it comes to um, in, uh, these uh, trucks, trucks and uh, resale values? Yeah, sure, if you're right. It's actually a valid question, um, and and you know we see this uh, come through in a number of different forms. But but the sort of long and short of it is that, especially in the trucking industry, and when you find it's a it's a heavy metal vehicle, there has to be a, a physical you know assessment done. That's how you end up with the end selling price of that vehicle because a truck is in, in, in essence is part of uh, part of someone's business, right? It's not it's not just a normal passenger vehicle that a consumer is using to commute. So it's used in a very different way and the truck has to be assessed then and then accordingly. And you know the the, the the sort of short answer to Greg's question is that the book or the or the guide that goes out with used uh, vehicle valuations, whether it's on passenger vehicles or uh, like commercial vehicles or even in the trucking industry is actually the guideline that you start off with. So it's a guideline that says on average, a vehicle should be selling, you know, a vehicle of average mileage and average condition. This is the average selling price. And then in real terms, what happens is, um, you know, let's take the example of a dealer assessing a trading vehicle, a normal passenger vehicle. A dealer would then assess that vehicle based on its actual attributes. So as an example, if the vehicle needed four tires to be fitted onto the vehicle, if it needed a windscreen uh, to be replaced, etc., mm-hmm. they would look at all of those different reconditioning costs. They would also look at supply and demand and availability of stock, and then make an assessment of the price. You know, day after, and it could be an adjustment up or down against the book. Now, equally in, in Greg's scenario, in the in the tracking space, the same principles would apply because it would matter as to what, how the truck was used. Uh, mileage is a sensitive, um, mileage is, makes, uh, that's great price sensitivity across all segments of vehicles because the more heavily something is used yeah. across a short period of time, it would depreciate the asset, uh, more aggressively. So the, the, the reality is that, that the valuation starts as the starting point and then anything else, uh, when the asset is actually physical, is then an inspection and assessment on the physical asset at that point in time because the reality is that no two used vehicles also are the same. Every single one would have, you know, a different mileage, a different condition, different wear and tear on the vehicle, etc. And then the, the person or the user in each environment would assess that difference in value accordingly. Yeah. All right, Greg. I hope that uh, went some way to answering your questions, or your concerns. Now, Kruben, you know, to just carry on, to carry on with um, the the VPI, this uh, vehicle pricing index. The fact that um, demand for quality used vehicles remains high. Um, what does what does that tell you in the long run about you know um, uh, I guess the state of the market in general? Yeah. So so. Certainly, the demand for used vehicles uh, is high. It's been, as just as a, as a point in reference, you know, if we look at the global financial crisis and you go to the year of 2007, which was just before the crisis hit, the ratio in South Africa was probably around 1.5 to 1. So for every one and a half used vehicles that was being financed, one new vehicle was being financed. 
when uh, we went through that period, it shifted to over two, and actually it never reversed. So in South Africa, on average, we finance around two and a half used vehicles to every one new vehicle. Sure. Um, it's just a better value proposition uh, for consumers. There would still always be demand on new vehicles for different purposes, etc. The rental industry, as an example, um, you know, is a, is a high volume buyer of, of uh, new vehicles or for their for their own purpose. I think you know, as we look to the rest of this year and forecast. We certainly see consumers shifting more towards used vehicles, certainly for the next year, going uh, going into next year as well. Yeah, and, and you know the reality is consumers are making different decisions about their current lifestyle as well. Absolutely. Now, of course, big changes are on the horizon. Come the first of July, new car owners uh, won't be locked into restrictive uh, or embedded motor and service plans, right? It's going to allow them to um, go to independent service uh, or repair providers, and um, vehicle manufacturers won't be allowed to void warranties if uh, new vehicle owners choose to do this. What effect do you think that'll have on the car market? Yeah, so one, I think generally the, the intention is to transform the industry and to open up the industry um, and you shift equal power of balance, you know, from an, uh, a manufacturer or franchise dealer to a, you know, aftermarket or, or, or a repairer and workshop, et cetera. It would certainly have impact because consumers would, are going to have choice and preference. So from a consumer perspective, I think mean, it's definitely a, a good thing. Consumers would have choice. However, uh, that choice does come with some consequence as well. So consumers would need to do their due diligence on a repair, as an example, mm-hmm. that they're using. You know, the fact that the warranty might not get void doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to get the best service, uh, you know, with the best parts, etc. And consumers would have to then educate themselves because you might not get the same recourse as you would if you went to a franchise dealer, etc. I mean, there are a number of reputable workshops uh, in South Africa. So generally, I think, you know, the, the fact that Consumers would have choice, would have preference. It's still a good thing. I think equally, though, um, you know, the franchise dealers would still try to win back their customers, would try to offer their customers the best rate. So I think overall, you know, the consumer is actually the one that's going to come out on top of the situation. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time and your insights this afternoon. That was Kruben Reddy, Vice President of Auto Information Solutions for TransUnion.